Hey, welcome back to the Brazos Point Living Room. We are getting to the end of the year. Christmas season is in full swing, and the three amigos are back together. <laughs> <laughs> are also in full swing. Full swing. It's crazy that it's about to be 2023. Yeah. But I also feel like we're in the part of these 20s that it just doesn't seem to matter. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, oh, 2020. And now it's like three, four, five. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. It's all the same. Mm. In a good way. I love life. (laughs) (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Uh, So, we are right in the middle of the Christmas swing, and I had a question for y'all. But first, one of the things that brought it to mind was... Every year when I'm ordering Christmas gifts for my kids or thinking through what to get them, I immediately think, where are last year's gifts? <laughs> and how often are they using those gifts? <laughs> and it's always really sad uh, to look back and say, how long did that actually last? Was uh-huh. it a couple days, months, half the year? Uh, so my, f- my question to you is, what Christmas gift did you or have you used the longest? The first one that comes to my mind is uh, my Apple AirPods. Oh. Yeah. And here's why I think it sticks out in my mind is because I was just not convinced that I wanted them or needed them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I buck against trends a little bit. So the fact that everybody else wanted them, needed them, and had them kind of made me a, a skeptic. And Ashley persevered and got them for me anyway. I use them daily. I mean, I mm-hmm. use them on the every day. I, I use them in every way. I use them for listening to the Bible. <laughs> I use them on a bus. There. I use them everywhere. I use them when I'm with a man named Gus. I use them. Yeah. Um, I love them. I, I really, I'm a big fan. And the other thing I would say too is, because I kind of fall into the category of they're probably ridiculously overpriced because of the brand that's on them. But I really do think they're legit better than most everything else out there on the market. Well, I, I can vouch for some of that because I bought some that were cheap and they never worked so yeah. you might have something there so i've used them long and i intend to use them longer and when they die i will replace them it's so like tim cook if you're listening mug. oh that's another good one what'd you say my amber, amber coffee amber mug coffee oh, mug yeah. turns out i can't claim to not be bougie no you're very bougie <laughs> i'm not very bougie <laughs> you're i'm bougier. not very bougie oh, tell us more are. i'm bougier than i think who's I your santa so the ember coffee mug is uh, a mug that works uh, bluetooth that keeps your coffee hot it keeps it at the exact temperature that you set it to it's uh, it's worth it hmm. don't i mean it when you google the price of it you'll be like taken aback that's the thing you are it's a, a good frugal gift. person who considers spending very carefully and you have been surprised at yourself for enjoying these pricier things so much that's true well, just those two <laughs> what about you shelly um, well, I talked about this a few weeks ago when you asked what our favorite gift we'd ever received was. It really probably was my basketball goal. I got it in third grade and I used it, I mean, as long as I lived at my parents' house. Um, so up to college, I guess, probably not as often after high school, after I didn't play basketball anymore. Mm-hmm. But like that was kind of what I liked to do was just go outside and shoot hoops or whatever. I think we did have to replace the the backboard somewhere in there. From the dunking? Yeah, from all the <laughs> <laughs> bricking. <laughs> bricking. <laughs> That's tough on a tough on a backboard. So your favorite gift of all time was your basketball goal. The one you used the longest was your basketball goal. So yes. you must be 
like incredible. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I won't. I won't show you. <laughs> Will there be Why video? Not? You know, uh, like how Brandy's incredible at racing. I'll just keep my basketball skills I'm, to myself. I'm not. I'm not that bad. Joseph's just that good. <laughs> just that good. You know, I'm with you, Joseph, on uh, like looking at and going, gosh, man, this really exposes kind of our consumer nature. We spend so much on these gifts and we spend so much time getting them and then what's their life of usefulness. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of shifted into really encouraging experiences being the gift of Christmas mm-hmm. uh, and, and giving our girls experiences as their gift. And so yeah. Christmas morning, there's not a whole lot to open up sometimes, mm-hmm. but there's a there's a cool experience that's coming and uh, it kind of spreads Christmas out. Because sometimes it's like, we're doing this, but it's not till July. You know, have a yeah. Merry Christmas in July. <laughs> but we're trying to get our parents, the grandparents, to to adopt that mindset too. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something I forgot. <laughs> I got my kids tickets to the Bluey show like months ago, and it was going to be a Christmas gift, and I had forgotten that I was supposed to associate it with Christmas. Oh, yeah, until now. You're Did welcome. Did you miss the show? <laughs> no, it's in the it's in the summer. This it's is what like we could have done, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine. Is it like Bluey on ice? No, it's a play. Okay. I yeah. may be interested. Yeah? yeah. Come on. Uh, I think my Christmas gift I've, this is funny, used the longest uh, is maybe the wrong term, but my dog <laughs> was a Christmas gift. <laughs> I've seen your dog. It looks used. <laughs> wow, Randy. She's 10 years old, Randy. <laughs> yeah, man. This is just shows. <laughs> only 10? Yeah, only <laughs> 10. <Exactly. laughs> you know what gifts I use the longest is clothes. I think I wear clothes too long. <laughs> like, I'll, I got some shirts that I've had since the mid-90s. It shows. Well, that's because you dressed like a 40-year-old when we were in high school. That's true. It still works. That's because I'm not bougie. I'm practical. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh. Do y'all wear clothes too long? Probably. Like decades. Well, not decades. But <laughs> you got holes in your shirts? No, I buy good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like good stuff. These actually, Travel Smart's my new brand. Uh-huh. I'm all about brand promotion today. Yeah, you are. <laughs> travel Smart. Apple. By Dillard's. Travel Smart. <laughs> I buy Travel Smart short sleeve shirts at Dillard's. Uh, and, and when I get them, I get them on sale. And they're like uh, seven bucks each. And then I'll wear them for a decade. That's getting your money's worth. You bet it That's is. That's what that is. Uh, so if you're listening, Randy needs clothes. No, I don't. <laughs> Updated. I don't. He needs experiences. <laughs> I need experiences. <laughs> and AirPods. <laughs> the new ones. <clears throat> All right. Well, the reason we're talking about Christmas gifts is in our series, Christmas Never Gets Old, we've talked about all the things before, and we will talk about the things after Christmas. So we've talked about Christmas prophecy, the things leading to Jesus pointing to Jesus's arrival. We talked about the Christmas story last week, and this week is about really post-Christmas. What are the things that happen because of Jesus's arrival? And so uh, really this idea of because of Christmas, we receive gifts from God. And so uh, I know we're going to talk through Galatians chapter four a little bit, but really uh, verse four says this, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And that really is Christmas it's referring to. In the perfect timing, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, and that God ultimately sends the spirit of his son into our hearts. 
So these are some of the gifts we receive from God, some never-ending gifts, the idea of redemption, adoption, and the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to talk through some of these because some of them we talk about often, some of them we don't. But really, Christmas never gets old, and we are living out these gifts continually. So uh, verse 6 talks about, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our heart, the Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So what does this reveal about the type of relationship God is desiring to share with us? Yeah, I, I mean, I love thinking about the fact that these are the these gifts are the reasons why Christmas never gets old, right? And and you know, adoption to me is such a, a beautiful way to describe our relationship with God. We talk a lot about mm-hmm. redemption, we talk about rescue, we talk about salvation, we talk about you know being in Christ uh, week over week over week. But adoption is kind of a unique way to look into that and to really understand how that relationship works and to to really kind of build the framework for that. It's like we recognize that there's biological children and there's adopted children. And the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus is the only begotten son of God, right? He's the only, in a sense, biological. We know he's not biological because they've both, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have all eternally existed. But he's the only begotten son of God. And everyone else that's a child of God is adopted. How did we get into the family of God? Anyone else that's in the family of God, it was a process of choosing and adoption. Hmm. I think it's a it's a big deal uh, talking about, you know, we are adopted. We are brought into this family and now because God has given us the spirit, uh, we can call out Abba Father and I just think that that is a constant theme in Jesus's prayers when he teaches us how to pray. Uh, of this intimacy and this relationship with God that he says, hey, now because of what has happened or here's how I'm going to lead you to talk to you, your father. And I just think that's that really was a different concept. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, and the way that the Bible speaks of this, like adoption is a grafting in, mm-hmm. you know? And so when something is grafted, it's taken from one place and it's surgically implanted into another place. You know, I think grafting is a part of agriculture too, right? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can graft, you know, I know much less about that, <laughs> but I have a child that has had a bone graft, you know? And I know what that's like to see that, that material taken from one place and being useful, mm-hmm. being made useful by being put into another place, uh, you know, for her good. And just watching that process of grafting, you know, just kind of brings that alive to me to think that's what God does with us. Mm -hmm. He takes us out of the world. He takes us out of our sin. He takes us out of, you know, everything that is about our flesh and he grafts us spiritually into his family forever. And and we're in. And because I think another implication of adoption that is just it's heartwarming to me is is that we were wanted like it wasn't an obligation um you know because we were already part of him like we were wanted he wanted to graft us in um to his family and so that just it just makes me so thankful and so joyful when i read this and consider everything that christmas means like because mm. of yeah. christmas I can be grafted. Well, and the the feeling of being wanted is huge, right? I mean, that's yep. a that's a huge feeling, and I don't know anyone who has adopted that people adopt for, dis- for different reasons, but at the core of it is always that they want mm-hmm. a child. 
They want that child, whether it's a struggle with infertility or or whatever other reason there could be. I mean, and there's dozens, right? Uh, There's this desire for that child to be yours. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another parallel is that in many ways, adoption as we know it, where a child is adopted into a family, um, that child is wanted, but that adoption also comes with a cost, right? Like a literal cost, but yeah. also there's sacrifices that, that families make and um, things that the family is, is willing to take on as part of that grafting. And so I think it's important to remember that we're able to be grafted mm-hmm. because of a sacrifice also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think also let's not miss the the piece of the verse that says that we call it to God as Abba Father, and let's not assume the knowledge that, that that's understood what that means. Abba is a, a description of, of dad or father or that figure, but it's an extremely familiar and yeah. intimate way to say it, almost in a, in a childlike sense. Abba is, is kind of daddy-ish, mm-hmm. right? So we call out to God not just as our father figure, but as our, our dad and mm. daddy, and we know him in a, an intimate way um, as a child. Yeah. yeah. That always blows my mind to think about, um, when I think about this verse and the fact that God describes himself as a father, wants us to call out to him as an intimate father who loves their children. And I also at the same time think about how big God is. I think about creation. I think about space. I think about how small I am in comparison to the things that God has made. And yet here's a really personal, intimate ask and desire for God to know us, which is mm. cool. Well, Tim Keller, here's your Tim Keller moment for today. <laughs> Tim Keller says, uh, like, when you think about what we have with God and our relationship with him and, and how we can come and request of the God of the universe, he says, who is it? that at three in the morning can ask the king, thinking of a human king, you know, that's in, in, in reigning over a land, right? Who is it at three in the morning that can ask a human king for a cup of water? It's, it's, it's the princes and the princesses. You know, a peasant's not going to come into the palace and do that. It's his children. And so when we're begging of God, whether it's three in the morning, three in the afternoon, or whatever it is, we're, not, we're never inconveniencing the king of the universe. Mm-hmm. We're his children. Mm-hmm. And we come to, yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he is all that he is. But we have that position. Yeah. And that position is because of our redemption, that first gift, that first Christmas gift that we see in Galatians 4. We have that position because we've been redeemed. Mm-hmm. Well, I think this is interesting, too, as we talk about this the relationship that God sets up with us and, and dynamic of us being children, Him being our Father. I think it's important to talk about how has your relationship with your earthly parents influenced your view of God as a father? For me, I mean, I'd, I'd say tremendously, um, and, and tremendously in multiple ways. It's super unique. I've got great parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and particularly, I've, you know, I've got a great mom, but I've, you know, thinking about God as father, I've got a great dad and my dad has so many Christ-like qualities, super <laughs> sacrificing, uh, very selfless, very giving, very humble, very patient. Um, even in, I, I remember observing this, like as my dad's a, a small business owner and even watching him at times being impatient, uh, with people in business, we never saw that. Like he wasn't impatient with me and my sister. He was extremely patient with us. 
and, and gentle and kind, even though I saw versions of him in business that were less patient. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, in so many ways, my dad is, is, is Christ-like, and, and I see a lot of the character of God in him. And I could say the same for my mom, too. I'll save that for Mother's Day, I guess. But um, <laughs> within what's crazy to me is at the same time, even though that's always been a consistent reality in my life, there was a season of my life that was especially significant in terms of my own formation spiritually and my own development, where they weren't necessarily the ones doing the the active leadership of leading me to Christ and leading me to develop in my faith. And I found church leaders and church volunteers who who stepped into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so does that make sense? Like in, in the one sense, man, they've always been this amazing, consistent example. And at the same time, there were seasons where I, I was uh, frustrated. They weren't leading me like, you know, like I wanted them to, and we've we've had that conversation. They get that, and, yeah. and they're in an amazing place now. I love. I learned tremendously about God from them, even now as an adult, and uh, and and they continue to influence my next steps to this day. Yeah, I think about uh, my dad. I think was very intentional to point to God as my father, but he was also very intentional to model for me that God was his father also. So like Randy, I also have great parents, but my dad grew up without a father. Um, his his dad left him and my grandma when my dad was about two years old. So he really doesn't have any memories of his dad. I think there's, I've seen one picture of my dad and his dad together. Um, and so my dad really struggled with that for a long time. And, you know, he grew up in church. My grandma took him to church and they were very involved, but, um, they also grew up a little bit, or he grew up a little bit on the fringe, you know, like my, my grandma is a full-blooded Choctaw. And so they grew up as minorities in the fifties and sixties and, in all of the, difficultness that can come with that and as a single mom and yeah as a single mom struggling financially and so um I think my dad had a lot of resentment toward his dad to be quite honest and I can remember my dad sharing with me that he had finally forgiven his dad and um was really learning how to see God as his father. And I think that sometimes when we don't have a good model of that in our lives, we struggle with the view of God as father because it's hard to to picture a perfect father, you know? But you know what I love about you sharing that, like from your perspective of having an awesome dad, but a dad who didn't have an awesome dad, is there's blessing in both. And I know that probably sounds hollow for me to say that when I've just talked about how Christ-like my dad is, but there really is blessing in both because you and I are so blessed to have had that example and that model, and yet he also has the blessing of having that need met in God in ways that we won't understand the same way because we've had amazing earthly dads. And it's what drove him to be a godly dad to me. And, you know, I've shared this before that my dad still tells me to this day and has told me for as long as I can remember that I never need to even think about trying to please him or make him proud. Only think about trying to please my heavenly father and make him proud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I like this question in the discussion because like my parents were great examples to me. Um, They were Christ-like in their relationship with me, and so it was helpful. 
But I do know that there are plenty of people who, when you read these verses, when you recognize that God is modeling this type of relationship, that there's just a lot more baggage and there's a lot more work and things to work through. And so I just always love the reminder. And one thing I, I share with my kids as much as I can is, hey, I'm a father to you and every father earthly father is but a reflection of a perfect father. And so regardless if you've got a good one or you didn't have one at all, or you had a bad one, they're all imperfect reflections of what God is ultimately set up with us. And I just think that's always a good reminder. Um, and so, you know, as we're talking about this, because we are grafted in, as you said, we are adopted. Um, God has done the work to bring us into his family through adoption uh, Randy, I just wanted to, to throw it to you. You know, as as someone who has adopted and is a, a father, how does this verse read to you, and what sticks out to you? I think mine and Ashley's perspective on this is pretty unique in the sense that we know what it's like to be. Well, I'll just I'll just speak for me, right? And it's true for Ashley too. I know what it is to be a father because I have biological children. Mm-hmm. And I know what it is to be a father because I have an adopted child. And so I know both yeah. perspectives. You know what I'm saying? I, I've, I've got some perspective on both sides. And uh, just to be completely, you know, vulnerable, um, man, it's, it is unique. And anybody that, well, I'm not going to speak to anybody else's experience, but I'll say for us, it's unique. And you, it, it's, and the reason why I want to share it is because it's taught me so much about the love of God that we have in Christ. Um, because... At the end of the day, man, I love all three of my children equally, but I do love them differently. And the process of learning to love them, the process of growing in that love, the process of forming that relationship is wildly different between biological and adopted. Um, and it's just because it's such a different set of circumstances, you know, and the, the, with the biological kids, you've got the nine month lead up, you know, you've got the infancy, you've got the birth, you've got all of those pieces of, of, of nurture and you've got all those pieces of connection and bonding that happen. And there's so many things about the adoption experience that is so wildly different and, and seemingly foreign to our hearts. And yet, that's the one that's actually the picture of how God loves us. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. There's some ways that that is so natural, right, and comes so naturally to us. That's not to say that everybody that has conceived and given birth to a child has naturally loved them. There's plenty of wounds in that regard too, right? But um, adoption is just so different. But the, the piece of it that I've learned so much from having lived in it is it's the, I mean, it's the choosing. Mm -hmm. Like I choose her. I have, you know, I, I continue to choose her. I will always choose her. I went across the world to to get her, a sacrifice, to bring her home. And uh, as foreign as it is, as weird as it is at times, as difficult as it is, man, like the, it's the choosing that, mm. that just changes my understanding of what God has done for me. Like he, he chooses me mm. and man, that's powerful. Mm. That's good. No, we appreciate you sharing. Um, it really is a powerful picture. Um, and so one of the things here, God says, because um, he's given us the spirit, we can now call out to God as a father. So because of all of this, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you are a child, God has also made you an heir. So my question is, 
He's talking to writing to the Galatians, and it's just as true for us. Since we are no longer slaves, and since they are no longer slaves, what have they become? Like, what's the difference? You're no longer a slave, but now you are an heir. What does that mean? And what is the difference? I think there's layers to this onion. Um, let's, let's take the first angle of no longer slave. The opposite of, of slave is free. And we've been set free in Christ. And we are meant to be people that have been freed and to live in that freedom. And that's a part of that redemption that God does. And that's where our peace comes from. Um, but the other piece of that is that... that we're no longer slaves because we're children of God going back to to that and and it's not just that we're we're children of God but that we're co-heirs with Christ that's mm-hmm. a biblical theme and it's a big one it's an important one uh, I'll go back to old TK Tim Keller on this one right because he he talks about um, the the relationship that we have with God is not like a, a border uh, like we don't live in God's house because we pay rent we live in God's house as a child. We live there freely because we belong to him and he belongs to us and we're in family together. But this air concept goes even deeper. It's not just that you live in God's house rent free. It's that you get the house, you mm-hmm. know, he's giving you the house. That's what an heir is. And, uh, and God's just not, he's not just letting us live here. He's given us, uh, he's given us the deed. I think that's part of what I notice is that um, it doesn't it doesn't go down to like another increment. It doesn't go from you're no longer a slave. Now you're an employee. Now you're being compensated. <laughs> it doesn't go from you're no longer a slave. Now you're a friend or even like another family member. Like you said, you're an heir. Like not only are you his child, but you get what he has to give you. And I think that's just interesting to me because like when you think, go back to the the thought of the human king, it's not the people of the land that have free access to him in the middle of the night. It's not even his employees. It's actually not even his slaves or servants. Like it is his child. Well, and to to drive deeper on that, like a child can eventually grow into independence. Mm Mm-hmm. But what this says is you're an heir. You will always be dependent on the generosity of the father. And you're like, not going to become an independent adult. Yeah. You're going to live as a child dependent on God. And I like, too, how um, thinking of yourself as God's child, that really is the core of your identity now. Like, it's not just, okay, this is what you did. Now this is what you do. It's this is who you were, and now this is who you are. Your identity is that you are God's child. Well, and let's not miss what the, the beauty of the inheritance is, right? It's the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of Christmas. Christ came, and, and because Christ came and did what he did, he then sent his Spirit, and the Spirit of Christ is in us. And the gift of the Spirit inside of us, uh, I think, is an un underappreciated gift of God Mm. in our life. Absolutely. Uh, I love that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans, now if we are children, then we are heirs, just like it talked about here. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. I think it's such a powerful description of of the type of position we now have. But I want to go back and uh, what he says in verse 14, Romans 8, verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought you, <clears throat> brought about your adoption to sonship. So I just wanted to like, what is, what does it really look like day to day for us to no longer live in fear and as slaves, but as co-heirs? Like, what are some real world implications and ways that plays out? 
I think it looks like us choosing uh, freedom, right? Mm-hmm. And not being enslaved. Like we have been positionally set free, but let's not let's not let our hearts be enslaved to other things uh, in in other ways, right? And so it's living free and recognizing that that's what the Spirit does in our life. The Spirit not only has liberated us from sin positionally, but He's also working to liberate us from sin in terms of our experience as He moves us gently into repentance and away from sin and, and to not be held down and, and captive to those things, but to live in the freedom that God has intended for us to experience as followers of Jesus. Something I read this morning um, in my Advent study that just really grabbed my attention, and I camped out, camped out on it for a little bit. It didn't grab my attention enough that I can remember exactly which scripture it was, <laughs> but it was a scripture, and the way um, this version of the Bible worded it was, offer yourselves to God. And I think that that speaks to the freedom that you pointed out, Randy, like you're you're still giving yourself to him. You're still belonging to him, but you're offering yourself to him. And then the part that really grabbed my attention said, and all the parts of yourself as weapons for righteousness. And I was like, huh, <laughs> weapons for righteousness. What does that mean? And what does that look like? And it obviously made me stop and think about every part of myself and every part of my life and are those being used for righteousness and for furthering God's kingdom or you know the comparison in that scripture was when you're a slave to sin um you're a slave to that sin so that's who you belong to and then also all the parts of you are weapons for unrighteousness mm-hmm. and so that contrast really made me think a lot about what that freedom in Christ um, gives me, and then am I a good steward of that? Yeah, that's so good. And and thinking of stewarding those things, my favorite way to talk about all of this is that our, our good biblical theology turns all of our have-tos into get-tos, mm-hmm. right? The have-tos of religion says, I have to behave this way in order to be accepted by God. You know, that's an employee. That's a wage earner. Yeah. No, no, no. When you understand child and when you understand the, the child theology that we have of adoption into God's family, it turns all of our have-tos into get-tos. And instead of these things having to be done in order to religiously earn our way, they become things that we get to do in relationship with God as a response to His goodness and grace. And it transforms everything. Hmm. That's good. I love that as we talk about the greatest gift, what we celebrate at Christmas, the greatest gift of Jesus, ultimately leads to other gifts for us as we continue to live as followers of Jesus. And so I think I love, as we talk about this in this series, that Christmas really does not get old because even though those gifts that we give ourselves and our kids may not last through the month, I mean, we're talking about never-ending presents and never-ending gifts that we get from God. So I'm excited. I'm rethinking my Christmas gifts now though. You going to experiences? I guess so. They 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 don't last forever either though. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all remember when we uh nope. 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 <laughs> don't forget to go to Bluey though. Nope. Yeah, I won't. Uh but I appreciate the reminder. <laughs> Merry Christmas everybody. Merry Christmas. We got uh this week and next week and we will then take a break until the beginning of the year. But we love y'all, and we'll catch you next week.